Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network, for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. And once again, we're in between a couple of glorious moments in the liturgical calendar, especially of the Eastern churches, although not exclusively of the Eastern churches, because you too, if you are Latin Catholic and of course Orthodox, you're looking towards the great celebration of the Assumption, or as we say in the Eastern churches, the Dormition or falling asleep of the Mother of God. This is, of course, where she entered into heaven, body, and soul. There are different interpretations and presentations and celebrations of this between East and West, but basically, it's the same thing. It points to our ultimate destiny that God intended us to have from the beginning, had there not been sin. So Christ comes into the world, redeems us, restores that original destiny, and even takes it further. And we see that in this great event of the Mother of God in her Assumption or Dormition. Before we go any further, I want to first of all thank all of you for listening, especially our many friends out in California. Some of them I saw recently at the Napa Valley Institute where I gave a couple of talks on iconography. I want to say a special hello to Judy who came up to me at the Institute and introduced herself as an avid listener here at Light of the East. And also want to thank Sister Joyce Turnbull for her prayerful support of all of us here at Light of the East. Very nice letter we received from her. She attends the Our Lady of Fatima Byzantine Catholic Mission Church in San Francisco. So we thank you, Sister Joyce, for your kind letter and comments to us. And above all, we thank you for listening. And again, before I go any further, I want to let you know about an event coming up you can still get in on that will help you observe or enter into the Great Feast of the Assumption or the Dormition of the Mother of God. And that is the pilgrimage to St. Nanzias, Wisconsin, to the Holy Resurrection Monastery. And that's Saturday, this coming Saturday, actually. So the last few days to get in on it, Saturday, August 16th. And it starts at 10.30 in the morning. And to find out information about that, you can go to their website, the monks' website, which is hrmonline.org, hrmonline.org. Again, that's the 
Saturday, August 16th, pilgrimage to Holy Resurrection Monastery. Now, it's a Byzantine Catholic monastery. These monks are very serious about what they do in terms of their monasticism and their liturgical life, their prayers. So it gives you a great glimpse into the prayer of the Eastern Church, a very full prayer. There's going to be a procession with the shroud, which is an image of the Mother of God painted on a cloth, a decorative cloth, and it's carried in procession. There'll be divine liturgy. And by the way, two bishops will be there. East and West will be represented. Bishop John Michael Botin, who is the Byzantine Romanian bishop, who the monks are under, and also the local bishop of the Diocese of Green Bay, Bishop David L. Ricken. So, great opportunity to meet monks, to meet some great bishops, and just to experience the liturgy of the Eastern churches, and also to do something which is a great blessing. And this is especially an emphasis in the Eastern churches. We're very much into pilgrimage, into procession, into movement. The process of something for us is very significant. There is something in the process, not only the event or the destination itself, which of course is the ultimate blessing, but there is something very, very graced in the process of something. And one of those processes is the process of going somewhere or preparing, being en route. That's what pilgrimage is. That's the very essence of it. Walking, traveling somewhere and experiencing things along the way, experiencing each other, experiencing how God speaks and reveals himself through each other, through the experiences along the way. In fact, there's a great classic book of Eastern spirituality called The Way of the Pilgrim. If you haven't read that, you've got to read that if you want to know anything about the Eastern churches. The Way of the Pilgrim, a classic book about a pilgrim and his experience of pilgrimage, especially regarding the great devotion of the Jesus prayer. So once again, consider Holy Resurrection Monastery for this pilgrimage, but anytime actually. They love hosting people. They have a nice little place in St. Nanzian, Wisconsin. Again, the reference is hrmonline.org. If it's far away from you, all the more reason to go. See, that's the blessing of pilgrimage. It's the being en route, going a distance, not just the destination. Speaking of devotions, I am often asked by Latin Rite Catholics if in the Eastern churches, or in particular my church, the Byzantine Catholic Church, we have daily Eucharist. We're also asked if we have Eucharistic adoration, benediction, or the rosary. We're asked a number of other things too, but those are some of the great devotions, some of which have increased in their popularity and their in, in people's commitment to them in recent time, the Latin Rite Church, especially Eucharistic Adoration and Benediction. And oftentimes when I'm asked about these devotions, I'm asked whether we have these same devotions. And I have to say a qualified no each time to each one of these things, which sometimes puzzles sometimes puzzles the person asking me. Because it sounds like we're not serious as a church, or we don't have devotions in the Eastern churches because they don't have Eucharistic adoration, not necessarily Eucharist every day, benediction, and the rosary. Now, I say qualified because it's not that we don't have these things or the essence of them. We do have things like them in a different way, but we also have our own devotions. So, a good way to understand all this, and this is a good way to understand the whole church, East and West, I like to use the analogy of the human person as male and female. We're all human. But we experience that same humanness in two complementary ways, as a man and as a woman. And that's going to give us different perspectives. We're going to have different emphasis, different needs, different styles. For example, if a man and a woman, say a husband and wife, go to see the same movie, you can bet that they're going to have different interpretations about that movie. One may like it, 
One may not. They may both like it, but they're going to describe it in certain ways. In other words, what struck them. And the difference is not just in the fact that they're two different people, but precisely because they're male and female. Another example related to that would be, do men like to go to so-called chick flicks <laughs> or movies that women like? Usually movies that have a lot to do with romance or relationships. And generally speaking, men would not like that. Some men might like some of those movies, but generally they wouldn't. Men prefer more so-called action movies. Women might like an action movie, but basically they're going to prefer what is considered to be the so-called chick flick. In other words, a movie that's more heavy on relationship, romance, and so on. And why is that? It's because of their basic differences. So they're going to gravitate or, or express things or experience things like media, like movies, in their respective ways, in what strikes them and where they're coming from precisely as man and woman. It's not that a so-called chick flick or an action movie, one is better or worse than the other. It's just that they're different and they attract, one attracts men more so, one attracts women because men and women are different in respective ways. Well, it's very much the same thing with devotions in the church. The Eastern Church has some devotions that the Latin Rite Church does not have, and vice versa. However, when you look at all of our devotions together, and again, as always, look at the church in terms of its unity. It's both lungs breathing together. You'll see that the devotions are similar, or they have similar devotions, but in different ways in the respective lungs of the church. And to understand this, we have to understand a little bit of background, in particular the background of the Eastern churches. In other words, where are we coming from spiritually? And that determines some of our devotions. It also determines some of our devotions that we may not have that the Latin Rite would have. So let's start with benediction. Benediction, of course, is where the Eucharist is reverenced in a particular ceremony in the Latin Rite church and in the use of incense, usually done by a deacon or a priest. In the Eastern churches, we don't have benediction per se. However, we do have something that's called the presanctify liturgy, which is celebrated during the Lenten season. And basically what it is, it's almost like a glorified communion service with vespers and has very much the sense of what the Latin rite would call benediction. In other words, we incense the Eucharist. We do take it out from the tabernacle. It's taken in a very solemn procession with a deacon walking backwards facing the Eucharist as the priest holds it in procession and the, the deacon incenses it. It's brought to the altar. We bow before it. We prostrate before it. We incense it again and again. So in one sense, we have contained in one service the elements of what the Latin rite might see as benediction. In other words, a great reverence for the Eucharist, which is done and expressed in a very public manner. In other words, in a liturgical manner. But we don't have, per se, in and of itself, Eucharistic devotion in terms of a benediction. Related to that would be Eucharistic adoration. No, we don't have Eucharistic adoration in the Eastern churches. However, once again, I always have to qualify it to show the complementarity. The reason we don't have that has to do with how we approach Eucharist. Again, the different emphasis. Of course, we believe the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Catholic, we do believe in the real presence of the Eucharist, of course. But there's a little different approach to Eucharist, and in particular to liturgy between East and West. Now, when I say different, I mean, once again, as always, a perspective, an emphasis, not a difference in belief, such as a fundamental belief or dogma. These beliefs are the same. Eucharist is the real presence, and we honor and receive the Eucharist in the context of liturgy. But there is a different 
emphasis and how we approach that. And I'm going to talk more about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to the best ever Prairie Fest. Friday through Sunday, August 8th through the 10th. Friday night, it's Maggie Speaks. I'm back and I'm holding, she's smiling, she's living, she's golden, she lives for me. Then Sunday evening at 7.30, Prairie Fest celebrates 50 years of the Beatles and the British invasion with American English. It was 20 years ago today, such a ripper took the band to play. Then, on Sunday, August 10th, at Prairie Fest, Polka all day long. At 11 a.m., Polka Generations starts the day, followed by Eddie Carosa Jr. and the boys from Illinois. Local favorite Harvest Moon plays on Saturday at 4. Prairie Fest with free admission, food, $10,000 raffle, children's games, and so much more. On the Prairie at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wheel Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Details at ByzantineCatholic.com. Prairie Fest, Friday through Sunday, August 8th through the 10th. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, and we're looking forward to the great celebration. Together we celebrate East and West, but in our own respective ways, the great feast of the Dormition, or the Assumption of the Mother of God into Heaven. Now, this is a great feast, and it comes after the great feast of the Transfiguration. It's a very great feast in the Eastern churches, because both of these feasts take what was the meaning, the significance of the incarnation, in other words, Christ coming into the world, which of course we celebrate during Christmas time, his death and resurrection, which of course is Lent, Holy Week, and Pascha, the Easter season, the sending of the Holy Spirit. Okay, those great events of salvation history, their relevancy to us personally, in other words, how we as human beings participate in them, what those events bring us to, what they're about, is summed up in the Feast of the Transfiguration and of the Dormition. Because in these feasts, we see the restoration by everything that Christ did before us, coming into our world, you know, the incarnation, suffering, dying, sending the Holy Spirit, all that was so that we could 
return or retrieve a certain aspect or echo of our original purity, our original innocence, the way it was meant to be before sin. And, as Christ can only do, we even go beyond that. When Christ came into history, as John Paul II would call the historical man, historical time, he comes in and he redeems us and he takes us from where we are and not only reaches back and retrieves some of that echo of our original innocence, but he takes us even beyond that to a, a destiny in which our body and soul will be reunited, glorified, spiritualized. And we see that accomplished in the mother of God and also hinted at in Christ's transfiguration. So we're getting a glimpse as to what human nature was really meant to be what it will be one day in the eschaton. And that's why these feasts are so significant for us, both East and West, and why they're so rich and beautiful. So make sure you're observing these feasts. You go to church, and before that, do like we Easterners do. Pray and fast before the feast itself. Prepare yourself by cleaning house spiritually. An interesting custom we have on the Feast of the Dormition is that we bring flowers or herbs into the church from our garden, One of the reasons for this is because there is a bit of a hint of the harvest, of of blessing the harvest. You know, it is coming towards the end of the harvest season. It is August. And also because the story goes that when the apostles came to the tomb of the mother of God, after they had laid her in the tomb when she died, and we're going to say that in quotes because she didn't die in the same way we do, they came to that tomb, and when they went to see her body, to venerate it, it was gone. Body and soul, she had been taken to heaven, assumed into heaven. And the only thing that was left in the tomb was the fragrance of flowers. That's another reason why we bring flowers and herbs into the church on the Feast of the Dormition, and we bless them. They're nice things to take home, the reminders, touchstones, even at home, part of that domestic church idea where you stretch what happens in church into home life, and you make that connection. Now, going back to these devotions, I mentioned benediction and Eucharistic adoration are not per se devotions in the Eastern churches, although, as I mentioned, in our other devotions and liturgies, we do have remnants of that. So, as always, the important thing is to always remember that we both arrive at the same point, just like man and woman. They're different, but their their rival point is they're both human. Same thing with the church. Our rival point is the same, but how we get there is different, according to the characteristic of the two lungs of the church. Another question is the question of, do we have the rosary? An interesting question, I find, because the rosary has a distinctively Eastern character to it. First of all, it's a devotion to Mother of God, which we're really big on. Also, it uses repetitive prayer. It uses a a rope or beads, which is something similar to an ancient prayer we have in the Eastern Church called the Jesus Prayer, which also uses a rope called a prayer rope with knots on it or beads, And there's a repeated prayer, only it's not to the mother of God, it's to Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So there's an interesting character about the rosary, although it's primarily a devotion to the Western church, we would see it as primarily a private devotion, just like the Jesus prayer, although it can be done corporately. In the Eastern churches, we never developed the rosary per se as a devotion in the same way as the Latin rite, but there are many Eastern rite people who do say the rosary, and they have great devotion and cherish it very much, which is a good thing. As I mentioned, the rosary is very, very Eastern in its character, but if you want to look for the official type of devotion in the Eastern churches that is similar to the rosary, it would be this Jesus prayer, which uses what's called a, a prayer rope 
Ideally, it's one thread, one, one piece of thread that is wound in a certain way is to make knots on it, like beans. And at the end, there's a cross that has a fluffy bottom to it, as if it's frayed. And that's to wipe the tears from our eyes, the tears of repentance from saying this Jesus prayer. So, you see, similar yet different, arriving at a similar place. In fact, when people talk about the rosary in the Latin Rite Church, I'm always struck by the fact that they say, oh, it's a meditation on Christ because of the mysteries, which is interesting observation because the whole rosary is a repeated prayer to the mother of God. Yet the rosary itself is considered to be a meditation on Christ and the events in the life of Christ. Well, it's very similar to the Jesus prayer. Jesus prayer is a very meditative prayer that focuses on Jesus Christ, in particular, his name, the name of Jesus. Now, again, I want to emphasize that in saying that one or the other churches does not have a devotion of the other does not mean it's lacking something or that something's wrong. It means that the two churches, the two lungs of the church, developed in their own styles with their own devotions. Some are shared, some are very similar, and some are different. But they're different based on the basic perspective. Now, that brings me then to the Mass. Oftentimes I'm asked, do you have daily Mass at your church? Ideally, yes, you can have daily Mass at a parish or even a monastery in Eastern churches. But that's not always the case for a couple of reasons. And again, we have to understand the different approaches of the liturgy. In the Eastern churches, the liturgy is, it's, I guess, one way I could describe it as an analogy, it's something like planning a wedding. Every liturgy is like a wedding and planning a wedding, and you know what goes into planning a wedding. And again, think of it as a bell curve. It's one of my favorite symbols to use. There's a preparatory time, kind of a rising action, then there's a climactic moment, where that would be the Eucharistic self. That would be the Eucharistic celebration itself, in other words, the liturgy itself, and then the falling action, the resolution. In other words, there's things you do before the liturgy. There's even a rite of preparation of the gifts that the priest does at a separate table in the sanctuary. There's prayers that are done after the liturgy. And then you can even move into the divine office from there, as monasteries often do. So there's a bit of a rhythm in the approach to Eucharist, to the Eucharistic liturgy in the Eastern churches. And also, because it's a corporate or public celebration, if no one else is there except the priest, usually you can't do the liturgy. Now, in special cases, yeah, it happens. For instance, our priests and bishops, when they were in prison during communism, sometimes they had to do the liturgy themselves in a, in a kind of an underground way, in a way that their persecutors hopefully wouldn't find out about. And there are circumstances which it can be done individually. But by and large, the nature of the Byzantine liturgy is so dialogical. In other words, it's like a dialogue between the priests and the people that without the people there, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't get the full sense of it. So we really aren't supposed to do liturgy if no one else is there. Latin rite, the way the Mass is, it's more possible to do Mass. In fact, many priests and bishops will do Mass privately, and they can, in fact, do that. And the Mass is more conducive to that. The approach of the Mass is more conducive. It's a little more precise, a little more concise, the Latin Rite overall, the Western Church overall, is what I call a little bit more portable <laughs> and concise in things, a little more streamlined. That's part of its genius. And so there's a little bit less of a, I use the word fuss, that goes into the celebration of the Eucharist. There's a little more fussiness uh, when it comes to the Eastern liturgy. So it's a little more difficult to do on the road or in places that aren't 
an actual Byzantine church, and certainly difficult, if not impossible, to do without someone else there participating along with the priest. Another reason for that, too, is the liturgy in the Byzantine church is so much dependent upon the responses or the cantering. that Without a competent response, the priest has to be like a short-order cook and do everything himself. It's difficult because he's very busy at the altar with his own prayers, which only he can do whereas others can do the chanting. And sometimes he has to do both if no one else is around or if the people who are there, there's only a few, and they maybe they aren't too familiar or able of leading the chant. So it doesn't make too much sense for the Eastern liturgy to be done with just the priest himself. The Latrite Church, it's much more amenable to that. So it's not always going to be the case where divine liturgy will be celebrated necessarily every day of the week in an Eastern church. It may be, it can be, but it, but oftentimes is not. Another reason is, different kind of reason, is that in many Eastern churches where the priests are married, and again, married priesthood in the Byzantine or Eastern churches means that a married man can become a priest. Once you're a priest, you're never married. So if you become a priest first, you cannot marry. But if you're married first, you can become a priest. But however, however, there were certain prescriptions which date back a long time in which the priest and his wife are asked to abstain from relations. And one of those prescriptions is for them to abstain the evening prior to when the priest will celebrate the Eucharist. So that might be a little bit cumbersome during the week if he celebrates liturgy every day of the week. I guess you, you know, can kind of see what I mean. So <laughs> that's another reason why Every day, to have liturgy, Eucharist every day, may not always occur in Eastern parishes. Now, this is not to be confused with any kind of de-emphasis of the Eucharist at all. In fact, it's an Eastern way of actually giving great honor and value to the Eucharist. We'll talk more about some of these differences in other programs, and I want to thank you for being with me today. I am Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening to and supporting Light of the East. Coming soon, you'll be able to hear the latest programs from Light of the East and past podcasts on TaborLife.com. Now, we'll keep you posted on our progress. And once again, thank you for listening to Light of the East. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.